guys, I just had one of those really lovely conversations with a beautiful woman named Claire Riley. Claire, you can find on Instagram. We go through all of that in the podcast. But if you have ever felt uncomfortable coming face to face with someone's diagnosis or you have ever sort of not known what to say um, when supporting someone with a chronic illness, then you are going to really get a lot from this conversation with Claire. Claire has been living alongside her MS diagnosis for around five years now, and I am so grateful that she spent the time with us this morning. It is a light conversation. It is authentic. It was eye-opening. It's educational, but don't just take my word for it. Tune on in, and I hope that you enjoy it and give her a follow and connect with her um, in the way that feels right to you because I love this chat, so I hope that you do too. Claire Riley, I have been following you on Insta for a couple of months now, and you are one spectacular human being. Welcome to the podcast, lady. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome and you are passionate about wellness and living a simple and wholesome life, which is so inspiring to watch, but you are also living alongside and with a chronic illness known as MS, which for those who aren't sure what that is and, or they've heard it and aren't really, you know, sure of the full term, it's multiple sclerosis. Can you share with us a bit about who you are and what your journey has been like up until this point? Like, that's a massive question. Yeah, no, and that was such a lovely um, introduction because I always feel like um, it's tricky to combine, I suppose, that that simple living passion with living a chronic, with a chronic illness. So I suppose um, in terms of like the simple living stuff is I've always been pretty passionate about the environment and just doing what we can do from our own home. Like I'm not... um, I suppose, a massive advocate. I'm not out there doing massive, crazy things. I'm just doing what I can do at home and keeping it simple um, and trying to, you know, recycle. We have chickens, um, have compost, like those kind of easy, doable at-home things. Um, And then, yeah, in uh, April 2017, I was diagnosed with MS, um, which was pretty confronting for me given my background in outdoor education. So I used to lead hikes for a living um, and my major symptom of MS is having difficulty walking. So I lost my ability to do what I'd studied and, and was passionate about. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So I didn't even know all of that. That would be like, okay. So firstly, outdoor education. Now I'm totally differentiating deviating <laughs> off my path because this is fascinating to me. What sort of study did you have to do to get into that? Yeah, so I have a Bachelor of Arts majoring in outdoor education. And at the time, it's actually not a degree that exists anymore. But at the time, it was, I think it became a Bachelor of Outdoor Education. So I did three years at uni, La Trobe Uni in Bendigo, Victoria. Mm -hmm. Um, And from the start, we learned how to essentially focus on kind of four main areas. So rock climb, bushwalk. Um, whitewater paddle and ski and then into second and then we did a lot of environmental focus 
a lot of um, looking at birds and sounds and, and nature and identifying plants and, and those sorts of things as well. And then into second and third year, I really focused on rock climbing and whitewater paddling. So they were my specialties when I'd finished uni, um, rafting and um, rock climbing. Yeah. So I actually met my husband, uh, now husband, not at uni, but we met rock climbing. Oh, so, my um, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, well, so many oh I'm like let's go on the love story no but okay so having your clearly was so involved in using your body being outdoors being super physical to then have that like what would seem like being shifted in the blink of an eye that must have been really challenging yeah, so I suppose there's a few things that happened and I was just chatting with someone about it the other day. Um, yeah, I'm sure you know that when, so I became a mum, uh, how old is he? He's nearly eight. So eight years ago, and <laughs> that was before you? my yeah. dad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, he, um, that was before my diagnosis. So things had started shifting. Like I'd really stopped working in the outdoor mm-hmm. field and I had actually done a Bachelor of Primary School Teaching. Oh, sorry, not a Bachelor, a grad graduate diploma of primary school teaching mm-hmm. um, before he was born. So I essentially was a, a teacher um, after that. However, that is not my passion and I'm, um, I'm not, I, I don't associate as being a teacher okay. um, in, a, in a traditional sense. I've not really ever taught. The only reason I did my dip ed was because I wanted to teach at Falls Creek Primary School, um, which is a school up at Falls Creek, the ski resort, and it um, is open all year round, but has, has a huge intake during this ski season. So I wanted to work at that beautiful little school, which I did get to do. Um, so, you know, having kids changes everything, but, but particularly for a woman in outdoor um, education, there's not, it doesn't give you the ability so much to be going and leading hikes, to be away for, you know, periods of time. Um, so I'd really shifted away from working in that space before I was diagnosed, which I think is a really good thing for me because I didn't lose that necessarily when I was diagnosed. However, we did go and run an outdoor education centre for two and a half years when my son was three. So we moved and and ran it, my husband and I ran an outdoor education centre in Gippsland for two and a half years. Yeah. Whoa. And that was after my diagnosis. Wow. So you really haven't let it... Like you've ta- you're taking it with you, but what? So okay, so what is multiple sclerosis, and how does that show up for you every day? Yeah, great question. Um, so MS is an auto. Well, it's under the banner of an autoimmune disease. Um, it doesn't. It's it's quite different from I suppose the a lot of the other autoimmune diseases in that um, it's um I suppose a much more physical um, disease, and it really does become debilitating. Um, it's the same in that my immune system's attacking myself. Um, so what it does in MS is your immune system attacks the myelin sheath, um, which is the outside covering of your nerves. So think about your it's the typical um, description, but think about your iPhone cord or your phone cord and where sometimes that outer layer cracks and you can see the, the fibres on the inside of the cord. So that's what's happening in my brain, in my central nervous system, so my brain and my spine. Um, and depending on where those lesions are, where those cuts in the cord are, that then depends on what your symptoms would be. So um, 
the symptoms can range from like a huge amount of different things. So range from cognitive issues, so forgetfulness, slurred speech, um, unable to swallow. Um, I met someone recently who couldn't taste or I've, I've heard of someone recently who couldn't taste their food. So, you know, a lot of those kind of things. Um, gripping fatigue can be a symptom um, as well as a lot of those physical symptoms. So um, unable to use your hands, um, you know, similarly in a way to a, a spinal cord disability, a spinal cord injury. So you, you lose the ability to use your hands, your legs, mm-hmm. your feet, um, you get pins and needles. So it, some, someone with MS could have all of those symptoms or none of them or one of them or yeah. a range of them. So, yeah, it really does vary from person to person. So with these lesions, like, are they, like, when they start to appear on your nervous system, is that where they stay and that will be your symptom? Or do they then start to heal and it might present somewhere else? Or, like, is everyone different in the way that it shows up? Or it's like once that lesion um, and that myelin sheath starts to dissipate, that's going to be something that you're dealing with in that particular manner from here on in so um it's it is kind of different for everyone they won't uh if you get a lesion it then generally would become a scar so then it still creates a barrier for your um your messages to be passed passed um smoothly i suppose down those nerves Mm -hmm. um they can i suppose kind of heal up but again like i said it becomes scarring um People are generally diagnosed with relapsing, remitting MS initially. So that means that you have a relapse, you get either a new lesion or um, a flare of your current symptoms, and then um, that remits. So it can can calm down um, and your symptoms can almost completely go away or um, dissipate a lot. So you can just have like a really minor version of that symptom. Or you can have, um, there's primary progressive MS where you can, you get diagnosed and you never kind of have those, you get diagnosed with that initially Mm -hmm. and things never remit, or you can have secondary progressive MS, which is when you get diagnosed with um, relapsing remitting first. And then um, as things progress, you don't tend to have that remitting stage in between. So your symptoms just stay as they are. So my symptoms don't go away. So I um, am in pain almost all the time. Um, I struggle to walk all the time. I don't remember a time when, well, before diagnosis that since before my diagnosis that I was able to walk, I suppose, confidently Um, or without someone said to my mum the other day who lives locally as well um, to me, someone said to her, oh yeah, that Claire, oh, she's the one with the funny walk. And my mum goes, no, she's got MS. But I do. It is a funny walk. And that's what people might notice for me. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that doesn't go away. So my symptoms, a lot of people live with no symptoms until they have an attack or a flare. Um, I live with my symptoms every day. Wow, Claire, shit. Like, that's that's a lot. And thank you so much Mm -hmm. for diving into that in the way that you did and explaining and sharing like the ins and outs in a way that I can understand. And I'm sure, and I know mm. that that's, you're like just skimming the surface here to make it easy for mm. us, but the the intricacies of MS and the way that it presents is, 
is vast and cruel and you use humor yeah. as a way to share your message so beautifully and also make <laughs> it to the day, which I'm like, yeah. you know, which I love. So what are some of the other ways that you choose to support yourself or that you found of huge benefit? Yeah. So I'm going to give a um, shameless plug. I suppose I started a podcast a couple of years ago when I started to, um, really so for the first couple of years after my diagnosis like I said we went and ran this outdoor education camp I completely ignored my diagnosis mm-hmm. um, I was taking um, medication for it but apart from that just got on with my job and um, and then we finished that and moved home so that my son could go to a normal school and <laughs> um, and then I realized it wasn't going away and that's when I um, I suppose went through uh, some grieving of my life the way that I thought it would look and started to really, I don't think acceptance is the right word, but take control of it. Um, So I started a podcast because I hadn't heard any stories. So when people generally think of MS, and maybe it's not so much the case now, but um, when I was diagnosed, what, nearly five years ago, I thought wheelchair. That's the first thing I thought. I'm going to end up in a wheelchair um, and, and a lot of people still do. But I also wanted to hear the story of the young mum who was very active, who was out there living life, who was happy um, and those sorts of things. And I couldn't find just those regular conversations. So um, I started a podcast which has helped me incredibly. Um, if people want to find it, if What's people it are interested, yeah. <laughs> it's called um, MS Understood. Um, so you can find it on any um, podcasting, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's it's just conversations with regular people who live with MS. And from what I was hoping to do was make it approachable for people who are newly diagnosed, family members, friends of people who are diagnosed so that they can start doing a bit of research, which is the most amazing thing as someone with MS is for your friends and family to do their own research and rather than, and I'm totally open for conversation, but if they come up to you and say, I heard this or I listened to this, it really means so much. And I don't think that's just about MS. I think if you're living with anything and a friend or family member does research into something that you're struggling with, I think it just means so much. It's one of those, I suppose it's my love language acts of service where you know, showing me that um, those people really care. So, yeah, I, I try to make it really approachable for anyone who's listening. But also I created it completely selfishly because I have gotten so much out of it. Um, you know, the guests that I speak to talk about how they deal with it and I take that away and um, get to work on my stuff for me. So I've started, I see a great therapist, um, I, and initially I saw her quite regularly and now I just call her if I need an appointment. Um, and I see a physiotherapist every Friday to do exercises, not just hands-on. Everyone thinks, oh, that must be so nice. Oh. Like, no, she smashes, <laughs> she smashes me every week. Oh. Um, I see an exercise physiologist. I go to the myotherapist. Um, and then I do all the other kind of not as cool-looking stuff, but see a urologist for bladder issues. I go to a podiatrist to get good, comfortable shoes because walking for me hurts. So I may as well be comfortable and look good with some nice shoes. Well, sure. Um, 
I see, you know, I go to heaps of doctor's appointments, I take medication every day. Um, yeah, as well as, you know, talking with a lot of people with MS. Yeah. So I think the conversation is, is really helping, helps a lot. Well, connection is one of those, like one of the most important human needs, right? And to be able to feel seen mm-hmm. and understood, yep. especially people who are, you know, navigating something similar, that would be so cathartic in any mm. walk of life, for sure. I know I definitely feel that way when I... Um, have conversations with friends or other people experiencing, you know, different hurdles of whatever it is that I'm facing on that particular day. But people often don't know what to say when coming face to face with another's suffering or discomfort. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, that's so interesting. And I absolutely agree. It's funny because I was chatting with someone the other day who has MS and she said her cousin was diagnosed with MS and she's like, I didn't know what to say. So it's funny that even if you're living with something, and I'm, I'm sure that's not dissimilar because, you know, everyone with depression is going through something different or everyone with psoriasis is going through something different or everyone whose parent just died is going through something different. You know, we're all going through, I think, some level of grief in some way. Um, I really love people to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how are you doing? Um, which which is really difficult in itself. I think how you're doing is so vague and, and a lot of people answer with, yeah, okay, or, um, you know, expect that as the answer. But I, you know, tell me, tell me something that's made you really happy this week or tell me something that's been really difficult or, um, you know, not even asking the question, but, hey, I'm going to drop dinner around or, hey, I'm going to take you out for coffee because I think sometimes the paralysis of having to make a decision. And I know that that's something that I've been faced with a lot recently is that real decision fatigue mm-hmm. um, is to just want someone to make up your mind for you. I think particularly as a, as a person who identifies as a female adult, um, I think there's a lot of um, pressure to make decisions put on, on the role of a mum. So oh. yeah, it's nice when someone makes that decision for you. Absolutely. And I think like, and I am guilty of this as well. It's like when it is better to just say, I'm going to bring a meal around, I'm going to drop a coffee in, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, and then obviously the individual has the choice as to whether they eat it or not, or take the coffee, but then you're not asking like some open-ended question where people don't want to feel like they're putting you out and they don't want to, you know, like take that initiative and just do something. Yeah, the is there anything I can do to help question? Oh. I know there's so much well-meaning yeah. behind it. I really yeah. do. And I'm guilty of asking the same thing. Same but yesterday. I can never answer it. Yeah. Yes. You could do my laundry or bring my laundry in or help me tidy the kitchen or put, yeah. like there is always something that someone can help me to do. But I can never um, verbalise that because I should be able to do those things on my own, you know. Oh, and so what is some of the most unhelpful things that people do when engaging with you and the topic of um, your diagnosis comes up or, you know, it, like you mentioned, like the, maybe the fact that you might be having a, a especially painful day and your walk might be a little more um, exaggerated or something. What's the most unhelpful tip so that we know what yes. to avoid? 
Yeah, I well, and I, I think the tricky thing, and we know that is it's so different for everyone, mm-hmm. but I did just share, um, I pop, popped up a reel um, not too long ago on Instagram. I love making reels, like you said, the so comedy funny. behind them. Yeah. Is, but also they, they're generally, I think although they're funny, there's generally a, a fairly good message behind them. Absolutely. Um, it's things not to say to someone who has MS. Mm-hmm. And I've just um, popped up an Instagram story, actually, like just before um, chatting with you about people who say, oh, yeah, I'm tired too, or, oh, I trip over all the time, or for me, like, I go to the toilet to wee maybe every 10, 15 minutes a lot of the time. Like, and and the walking to and from, like, the whole process of going to the bathroom is exhausting for me. Um, you know, so it's saying those things like, oh, I wee a lot too, or... Um, you know, I trip over too. Yeah, no, I understand that a lot of people wear a lot or trip over or forget yeah. things, but I do all of those things and they affect how I live my life. And I think that's the difference is, is how those things that you do, how much they affect how you live your life. Um, I, I really don't know the answer. I think everyone's different and the conversation, I just think having a conversation and being open and comfortable enough to be told that maybe you're wrong or you said the wrong thing um, and just being open to have that conversation, that's the key. Like just I don't know why we're so scared of honest conversations. Fully. Like I am all about them. And they, well, I just realised mm. that I did that before. I was like, well, shit. Like honestly. Oh, no. Like, no, that's great. Acknowledging that it, like I yeah. Like, let's, there's nothing worse than like you're mentioning there. Like, we don't need to get into a competition with you over like, Mm. oh, I'm tired too. Like, yes, I'm sure it comes with a really well intention of trying to empathize Mm. or um, like that might, I know what that's like. It's like, "Mm, you can't possibly. So we can just say that this is fucked. This is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think saying, saying, oh shit, is it generally a pretty, um, well-received response um but also some people don't think it's shit you know and some people are like oh well I don't know it's like I said it's really hard because everyone's so different and I think not just obviously everyone with MS is living with different symptoms but everyone in the world is like it doesn't matter if you're living with MS people need to be compassionate to other people oh fully like everyone especially in the last couple of years is going through something that no one else can see on some particular level. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, we don't need to get into a slinging match over Mm. who's worse, but we do need to all learn how to hold space for the person who's needing our support in that particular moment and let them Mm. have that. Like, yeah. 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 And in this particular case, like MS is a very big deal and it is, Mm. it's like, obviously there will be some things that you can see on the outside, but it sounds like from what you're explaining here in the, and especially like, it's a silent illness in like that chronic pain, that chronic illness, that would be debilitating. So I absolutely Mm. acknowledge that. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, I think in a way I'm, and it's hard, isn't it, for me to say that I'm lucky that people can see it. Um, but I don't generally have to live with, apart from pain, people can't see pain, but people can see that I'm walking funny. So that kind of represents pain in a way. Um, but I don't 
thankfully for me, live with a lot of the cognitive fatigue, um, you know, forgetfulness. I don't live with a lot of that that I need to remind people of necessarily. Um, But it's funny because I'm sure if I live with those sorts of things, I'd be like, I'm really glad I don't have, you know, I can still walk. So, you know, we've all got to be, I suppose, a level of grateful of, I don't think we all have to be, sorry, I said that wrong. I think there's a level of being grateful for our level of what we've got. I get that. That's Mm. very profound and very beautifully and diplomatically put because yeah, it's the, they can be like toxic gratitude as well. Like positivity. Mm. Oh yeah. Like we can yeah. all be super grateful for everything whilst also going, well, this part is busted custard. Like mm. let's That's definitely something you don't say. It could be cancer or oh, you could, it could be not, worse or you could be in a wheelchair. Like at least, ah. yeah, but, yeah, at oh, least far out. like let's throw at least in the bin. Like, yeah, that yeah, yeah, I yeah. Lost a baby and a miscarriage, and people are like, at least you know you could get pregnant. At least mm. you're, like, oh, you're like, that doesn't help. Not helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while this is your like, while this is your illness, Claire Riley, like you are not your illness. So what are your mm. dreams, your visions, your aspirations? Yeah, that's such a big question. And it's so funny because up until quite recently, I wasn't a, and to no, for no reason, but I was never a planner. I was never a really a forward thinker. I never had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I'm really a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. Love that. Um, but I have put some thought recently into, I've just um, very slowly building a business around um, supporting women or women primarily, but anyone who has a new chronic illness diagnosis. So I've um, just run a first, uh, I suppose, beta round where um, a few women volunteered to go through a course that I'm creating called Magnificent Self. Um, And so I'm waiting for a website redesign and we'll be launching that course soon, hopefully. Um, But my dreams around this, I suppose, I'd really love to host a retreat and I haven't told anyone that yet, Um, but I'd love to, yeah, host a, um, a wellness retreat around chronic illness so i have um you know some beautiful food maybe in dalesford where people can um come along and we have some really great speakers and maybe some art therapy workshops um some vision board kind of stuff um yeah so that's something i'm I'm dreaming of and i'm in the midst of creating a set of um, affirmation cards to support um daily inspiration for people living with a chronic illness um, wow. which are going to be firm. So they're in the middle. They're currently being designed by a beautiful local woman. Um, yeah, so there's some things on the horizon. This is amazing. I'm Please keep me updated and I will share with yeah. you like when you do launch your retreats or any upcoming courses and things, and I'll be more than happy to share. So what yeah, would you thank love you. someone to know? Sorry, I almost cut you off there, but I'm really excited by that. But I'm also like, yeah. what, would you, what would you love someone to know who perhaps has just been diagnosed with MS? And hopefully if anyone does know someone who is in the early stages or who has it, or, you know, who perhaps is, you know, navigating anything, please forward this podcast along um, to them so that they can get in touch with Claire. 
But what would you love them to know if they're listening to this? a new pathway. Yeah, that's so funny because it's actually a question that I ask on my podcast, um, one of the final questions, but I don't know the answer. Um, I think go easy on yourself. Um, it's not going anywhere, so you don't have to learn everything about it right away. Um, you've got time um, and you're doing the best you can. So take all the information you get, take a breath and look at it and take your time because um, like I said, it's not going anywhere. Things are only getting better. So there's heaps more research going into MS. Um, and find someone who you can relate to, who you can chat with. So good. So, mm. so I'm so like, grateful that we have women and people and individuals and communities like you out there who are willing to take some time out and share with people like me and my community who may not have... Um, ever really like even taken the time to you know learn about these things because we haven't been presented with it and it's like you don't know what you don't know um so Mm. i'm so grateful for you taking some time out of your day to share a little bit of your journey and this is just a snippet because you do do so much more than what even we've spoken about here like the foods that you choose the gut loving foods the morning swims that i know that you do Um, like all of this sort of stuff that you do, it feels like that you are supporting yourself from daylight till dark. And I'm sure that there's a million other ways where you just like slop and Netflix out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. By the way, amazing. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that, but where can we find you? Where can listeners, um, who are curious, which whether or not like you're navigating MS or like I'm learning things from the way that you know, you live and fill your plate and getting inspired that, that way and the way that you show up for yourself fully, where can we find mm. you? Yeah. So, um, I love Instagram. Um, and I spot, I feel like that's where the world is at the moment, but, um, you can find me on Instagram at Claire.Riley and it's both of those spelled weird. So it's C-L-A-R-E.R-E-I-L-L-Y. Um, and that's where I am primarily. And my website is in the midst of being redesigned. So, Hopefully that'll be out and ready not too long away. Amazing. Thank you so much for tuning. I like taking this time with us today. I know that I've said that a couple of times, but I really am so grateful and I hope that the right people find you because of this conversation. Oh, thanks so much for having me. 